right. Well, we're jumping right into Q&A. Thanks for sticking around in person or online. It's good to have you. Uh, I'm going to throw that number up there. I won't sing it this time, but 360-447-8474. Even though I want to sing it, I still do. It's, it's so catchy, isn't it? 360-447-8474. I don't have a low voice. Trademark uh, Michael. Yeah, Michael should get like a nickel every time we sing it. 8474. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, yeah, so go ahead and text those in. Um, man, that's, a, that's another fun one. That's a, this is a, one of those foundational, uh, I love the character of this church specifically. You don't hear this enough, but this is such a part of um, what we're doing here that I just love so much. The, this whole idea, the integrity of the heart and, and hearing things the right way and Letting scripture be scripture without your dirty hands all over it. The trying problem to make is, it say. the problem is, everyone says, even the, the religious uh, folks Jesus was correcting would have said, We're letting scripture interpret scripture. And yeah. that's why I said the Frankensteining and harmonizing is tough. Because they both, right. because the Frankensteiners think they're letting scripture interpret scripture. It's so, yeah, it's so bizarre. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day when we were talking about hate and love and they say there's a fine line, and you go, how is there a fine line? They're so different from one another, there can't be this like one degree of separation, because they're like polar opposites, right? And then you go, no. No, the opposite no. of love. Right, right. It's, it's indifference. Exactly, and so like this, it's not, it's just one degree, because you right, got all the right, other stuff right. right. You're, you're letting scripture interpret scripture, but. When you really examine what he's correcting there, uh, you know, he has a one or two where he says, you've heard it said, and I tell you, and it's like, yeah, but what they said was right. And right, he doesn't right. change, and he doesn't change what they said. He just applies the deeper meaning of it. Like you heard it said, don't commit murder, or you're going to go into judgment. You heard that, and that's good, that's right. But I'm saying it goes deeper than that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Okay, I got a couple questions here. Let's just jump right in here. This one says uh, Judas betrayed. Jesus, I've read that Paul was from the house of Judas, uh, the house of Tarsus. Question, are they related? Judas and Paul, and what does that make Simon to the Twelve? Now, how do we get Judas from the house of Tarsus? Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm not sure. It was that's Judas Iscariot, and in the Old Testament, that's Issachar. Right. And so it seems he was of the tribe or the house of Issachar. Um, I don't know, maybe you can connect Tarsus to Issachar. I yeah, don't know. Gotcha. Do you know where the scripture? The, um, I'm sorry to say, because you're not mic'd, the people watching online can't hear what you're saying. We'll, just, we'll reiterate. So if you te text it in, then we'll we'll speak. That way, they can hear all the stuff. Yeah. Thank so, you, Antonio. Yeah, that's what he's. So, yeah. Of, Paul being from Tarsus, house of Judah, I think is what it's going. But yeah, like if you, whatever scripture, send us. Um, yeah, what? He was, was Paul of the house of Benjamin? Was he a Benjamin? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You I'm going to look into it. that. Yeah, yeah, you look it Thank up. Thank you. Um, oh, John's coming over. John's going to help you find that scripture. No, 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 no he's not. There he goes. He's John getting a cup of coffee. <laughs> I thought you were coming to the rescue. <laughs> Um, okay, let's see here. We got a couple others here. Let me make sure I got these right ones. I believe that when your job is a fisherman and you are told to go catch 
to go catch a fish and get a coin. The hidden message is that you will work for the coin. After all, he could have just given a handout. Right. That's, yeah, good. Just, That's a good point. And I imagine, because boy, rich with symbolism are all those things too. I mean, your, your coins, your drachmas, your, your fish, your water, your... Well, and I, left, I had to leave out part of the story just for time. But the part of the story I left out is before Peter could say anything... You know, here's the tax collectors following him in, the religious tax collectors. And Jesus says, before Peter could say anything, he says, ah, question for you, Peter. You know, uh, yeah. Um, when kings collect taxes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. wait, uh, do you know what I'm about to say? Yeah, yeah. When kings collect taxes, uh, do they collect them from their sons? They yeah. do that? Uh, no. He goes, okay. Um, anyway. Why don't you go put a line in the water? Peter never even gets to ask his question. Yeah, yeah. He's no, like, that's funny. And so I love to picture, just like when Jesus rubs mud in the blind man's eyes, uh, at the top of the long steps down to the pool of Siloam, and it's on the Sabbath when no one can help him, he's not even supposed to be doing it, and then says, now go down those steps and wash. And that guy, by the time he got to that pool, how big was that crowd? Now, you picture these tax collectors, yeah. and Jesus makes this little point and basically says, I'm the son of God, so you shouldn't collect from me. Right, right, And now right, to right. prove I am, yeah. now I'm going to pay the tax, but just to show you how off the mark you are by asking me to pay it. Yeah. Um, Peter, what, you're a fisherman. You got a fishing line. Why don't you go down to the water, throw it in, a fish is going to bite that hook. Doesn't matter what you put on it. I've appointed a fish to bite the hook. You pull that thing up and open its mouth, it will have a coin. It won't have swallowed it because it's carrying it to deliver it to you. It's like a little Jonah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And that fish right now is swimming under the water with a coin in his mouth, and I'm not letting it swallow well, come it. Come on, Peter. I'm yeah. trying to get this done. And so imagine Peter goes, seriously? Wait, you're not joking? No, I'm not joking. I mean, we, we, we just don't realize how ridiculous this miracle right. is. You know, it's like, you have me to get my fishing pole and go catch a fish. Yeah. Yep. By the time Peter gets down, you just, you know, if it's a movie, you just imagine all the people going, what, what are you doing? What's going on? Jesus told Peter to go down to yeah, fish yeah. And, and he's going to catch a fish and the fish is going to hand him a coin from his mouth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, imagine the crowd and those tax collectors from the temple. Going like, ah, oh, come and on. They go this down really there. backfired on us again. We got to stop setting Jesus and up imagine, like this. And imagine, Peter throws his line out. Now, how long did he fish? However long God wanted that crowd to grow. Right, right. And then, oh, he's got a bite. He's yeah, got something. Yeah. And the excitement. And it's a fish, it's a fish. And open his mouth. And you open the mouth, and a coin falls out. Yeah. I mean, that's an unbelievable miracle and funny and ridiculous and insane and crazy. It's just and like you say, it's got I mean, everything. you know, riddled with imagery and symbolism and I mean, it's just like he does everything. See, and that and by the way, with that story now, you picture those tax collectors going, oh, I mean, in that moment, just going, oh my goodness, who are you? And that's where a piece of Luke harmonizes perfectly with Matthew with a perfect parallel of words. Where Jesus, where all it says is, now the tax collectors were gathering around him. You don't realize it's the temple tax collectors, so you line up some of the words. Right, right. And he began to speak to them, and he talks about the woman who loses a coin, and she's sweeping for it because she's got to pay. 
the lost sheep, and I left all you to go after this. Mm -hmm. And then the prodigal son, and the brother won't enter in. And this is what he's telling the tax collectors, the temple tax collectors, after he just did that huge miracle. That's see, anyway. Context, context. I mean, that's it. Like you say, reimagine the story. Um, on that note, uh, question. Um, oh, what was it? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, if he it had not been pointed out to him, then do you suppose he would not have paid? I mean, uh, no, he absolutely would have, because they said, "Does your teacher not pay the temple tax?" Peter's been following him for three years. Right. This temple tax is due every year. Right. Does he not pay? Yes, he does. Not, get it I'm sure he would. Yeah, yeah. No, he pays. I've seen him pay it every year. It's not due for a little bit, but let's make a day of it here. Yeah, okay. And yeah, I, I have yeah. a feeling that the temple tax guys were not saying, is he a cheapskate or is he a sinner or... I think they were alluding to something deeper. Does We all know he's claiming to be the son of God. Does your master exempt himself from the temple right, tax? Right, right. I believe that you that motive of the heart is what Jesus is speaking to because it, then all of a sudden his words make so much sense. Right, It's right. not just he's so throwing out fortune cookie lines. It's, does your master, does he not pay the temple tax? No, he does. I've seen it. And so he walks in, and before he can say anything, he says, Question, Peter. Do kings make their sons pay? No. Okay. But I'm going to pay these guys anyway. Right. Miracle. Uh, here's a good question. How old was Matthew when he had Jesus over to his house? Because over to his dad's house? I was going to say, because yeah. contextually, again, that makes it really sound like he's an old guy. I hear that. You don't even bat an eye at it. You go, yeah, Matthew and his... Old well, just, and his receding hairline. Right. When you over. really think about the story where Matthew is at his tax collecting booth collecting taxes and he got up and left everything. The money? And just everyone came and took it? And then the Romans came and put Matthew in jail? Yeah, right. Seems like the logical Because you can't be. just say, hey, everybody, you can have all the Roman tax money. <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore to me. I'm going with Jesus. That's and Mark is the Mark tells that story and the story of uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John. He tells both of them almost back to back. He uses the exact same words because they're in the exact same location, and he sets them up exactly the same. And and we know that uh, Andrew and Peter had been following Jesus for about a year when this happens. Right. Uh, but at Mark, if you read in Mark, he says that now as he was walking along the beach in Capernaum, he saw these two brothers and he said, uh, follow me. And they left everything and followed him. And now you go a little bit later in Mark, he says, oh, so he's in Capernaum. He's walking along the beach. He sees Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he says, follow me. So he left everything and followed him. And everyone goes, yeah, that's, he didn't know Jesus. And that was him first making a decision. Yeah. It's like, but Mark tells them like they're, the same type of story and when you harmonize it we see that Matthew has actually already been chosen as one of the 12 apostles right I think he's I think the reason we get to know his dad's name is because that's who he's referring to when he says he was a son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth right right referring to Alphaeus that's why he could just get up and leave. That's why James and John left everything with their father. Why Peter and Andrew? Because they were expecting this and they were prepared for right. this. And in fact, I would posit that Matthew had already been planning this huge party. And she said, get up, follow me. 
And he immediately walked beside him, because the follow there means walk beside me, not become my disciple. Right. And through this huge party for tax collectors and Romans. Hmm. Hmm. Young upstarts, even. Um, Follow-up question, how old were the 72? Were the 12 sent out with them? Uh, the 12 were sent out into <clears throat> Judea. The, the 70, some versions say 72. Both are correct. Uh, they were sent out in all of uh, Galilee to, broken up in pairs, sent to the 36 towns. Um, they were all young. They were all very young. Yeah. I, um, hold on, I got a couple of uh, deep ones I want to make sure that I'm In fact, uh, when we, the closest we see to an old disciple uh, is Nicodemus who comes to him as, at night. And he says, I know you're like from God because of the miracles you do and stuff. Right. And Jesus says, so why, why are you rejecting me? And he's like, see, there it is. I I, but I can't get past everything. And uh, he keeps popping up defending Jesus throughout Jesus' story. And at the end, he helps uh, Joseph of Arimathea uh, bury him in the tomb. But there's an old guy that wants to believe. And he just can't get over that hump. Right. Um, knowing that Judas was a teenager sure gives me sympathy for the part he was to play. Doesn't it, though? I mean, we're, context, context all the way around changes all the stories when you hear them all that way. Like I said, uh, I love the dads and moms involved now in a totally different way when before it seemed like, well, let the old guy, you know, speak for himself. Yeah, or like, why, why, is, why is mom coming in to ask a favor for I this know. aged I guy? I remember picturing this old lady asking oh, for her, you yeah. know, 40-year-old sons. Yeah. Yeah, but now you just go, oh, it makes sense. And I, you just hear them going like, mom, go back to the, well, the house. Yeah, and then it makes sense when it said, and so all the other disciples were very angry with them and upset. Yeah. They're always bickering about who's going to be in charge and who's got the most power. And um, Acts 9, God tells him to house of Judas and find, oh, tells him to go to the house of Judas and find Saul of Tarsus. Is what? Oh, so to go to the house because of, that's the guy that uh, that Paul was sent to to have the scales removed from his eyes. Yeah, so I don't know. That's a it's an interesting um, question. I'd have to. I, I don't know. We got to look into it. Yeah, got to look into it. Um, the Bible is a very complicated book for me to read. Yes, and you're on the right track. That's wonderful. Why did they write it so complex? That's the best question. Don't think that that's a throwaway question. That's such a good... That's, you need to answer that. That's that. the question that the Bible got you to ask. God could write it any way he wants. I was just reading one of the Psalms, or uh, what was it, a Psalm? Can't remember. Just read it a few days. Remember, I brought it and showed it to you, mm -hmm. where it says um, that uh, God couldn't help them because they hadn't got to the point of saying it was hopeless. For they trusted their own thoughts regarding his word. And it's like, oh, it's the story of the Bible. You know, uh, it, what is it? Uh, is it 2 Thessalonians 2, 10, somewhere in there where God, to those who don't embrace the love of truth, God has devised a deep delusion to lead them to believe what is false. And you go, what? God devised a deep delusion to lead people who don't love truth to believe what's false right. and continue in judgment. It's, yeah, it's called the Bible. He had to write the truth in such a way 
that you can't stand before him and go, well, my, my smarts figured that out. Yeah, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, he says, nope, the whole thing was written in a way that's very difficult and seemingly impossible. In fact, the only reason you would ever read it the right way is because you love me and I wrote it and I told you to. And if you will simply read it, not to, know, not to understand it, but to know it. Because if you read it to understand it, as soon as you get confused, you're going to run to a commentary. And now you're not putting your faith in the Lord, you're putting your faith in that guy. And that will color everything you read after that. Mm-hmm. But if you try to get rid of that stuff and go, okay, Lord, I'll put every word into my heart eventually. And you'll do what? He says, oh, that's the new covenant I made with you through Jesus. Then I will rewrite my word in your head in your mind and in your heart I'll do that mm-hmm. and he says and I will do that and no one else we go yeah but I don't need you because I got a theologian here they gave it all to me on a piece of paper you're right so this is all I need he goes yeah I hope uh, I hope you he has as much confidence in that as you do because uh, I guarantee he doesn't <laughs> right the theologians that write these things agonize because I know hey yeah and and so it's meant to be it's meant to be that way because it's not about figuring it out it's about it's about playing in the garden with dad, putting his word in your heart and seeing what he does with it in your life. Mm, amen. Okay. And anyone can do that. You Absolutely can start anybody. right now. Yes, yes. And if you do that with a true heart, just, okay, Lord, I'm just going to read it to know it. I'm going to stop trying to understand it, which he said you can't because it's, his ways are beyond our ways. Can't trace them out. But if you say, Lord, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to start. It's like a puzzle. It's going to start reading pieces. Yeah. And you rewrite it in my head and my heart. You, it's on you. Now, that's a prayer that makes its way to heaven and gets God's attention. Yeah. David tells us that. Yeah, it turns out love and humility are really key to the plan, mm-hmm. not so much being clever and knowing that you did it yourself. And so when you read the Bible, like, and you see these things like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do this thing. I'm smarter than I ever was, and that's what it takes. It's very focused on the wrong thing, clearly, right. according to all the content of the book. And so he tells that us that no sense. one will have any reason to boast in his presence. So he wrote a Bible that will keep everyone from ever having a reason to boast. In fact, it feels like it's going to be the other way. Everything that I thought I was doing, oh boy, I'm sorry. Everything was, like you said, everything was just slightly off. It doesn't mean we're miles away. It's covered in the New Testament. When, when Paul says, we all see dimly in a mirror, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when the perfect comes, then we will know fully as we've been fully known. Yeah. But hey, where there's knowledge, it's going away. Right. Where there's prophecy, it's going away. Where there's love, it's staying. And so when I was a child, I felt like a child. Well, we're children, so we see in a mirror dimly. That's the message of the Bible. It's like, so do you want to read it or not? No, because I can't understand, figure it out, and it's very... Right, don't read it for that reason. Become like a child... Jesus said, if you, don't become, if you don't receive the kingdom as a child, you can't even enter in. Uh, he said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures diligently, for in them you think you find life, but you don't, you find me, and I give life. So, stop trying to understand it and just get to know it. Yeah. There, there's, there's about yeah. as many episodes, stories in the Bible as there are episodes of Seinfeld. So, just go pick a fun one. You know the guy, the big, the big fat king that's bad, and the good guy goes with a hidden sword, and he stabs the guy, and it goes all the way up to the hilt and buries it in, in his blubber, and that's where we get the expression, buried to the hilt. Anyway, and then he locks him in the bathroom and tells everyone he's on the toilet. 
Go read that story. That's, that's a great story. I can see Kramer in that story. <laughs> oh, the one where the, uh, where the lady uh, gets the evil king to come in the tent and uh, promises to give him some milk, and, and, but it was really to get him tired and he falls asleep. She takes the tent peg and drives it through his head. That's a good story. Yeah. Yeah, it's full of good stuff. <laughs> and if you go, I don't know those stories. Oh, why? Why? You know Goldilocks. Why don't yeah, you know those but stories? I don't need to because I've had them all summarized by some guy who sits, he says he read them and I, he drew out all the stuff. But that's, that's not theology. I just want to know theology and it's like, oh, why? Yeah. Yeah. The stuff Jesus couldn't stomach. I know. Relationship. Okay. Uh,. Was Jesus referencing Psalm 15 in Matthew 12? Psalm 15 being, uh, Lord, who can dwell in your tent, who can live in your holy mountain, the one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, acknowledges truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, who does not, uh, not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his word, whatever the cost, who does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocents. Uh, the one who does these things I think will it's never one be shaken. of many that he's referring to. But what I love about that psalm is who can dwell in the mountain of the Lord. You think you know where that is? Mountain of the Lord? The only one who can dwell in the mountain of the Lord is the one oh, that loves Zion. his word. This is the one that loves the word because if you love the word, then you'll see that God tells us in one psalm, it's the mountains of Bashan, not Jerusalem. This is the mountain I have chosen as my dwelling place forever. This is where I dwell. You go, wait. The mountains of Bashan, that's like Hermon, Mount Hermon on the other end. That's on the north end. You go, yeah, you ever read about Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king? It's like, but wait, I thought Jerusalem, that's, that's the Jer No, because God said he will never allow the enemy to come into his sanctuary. And that's why no one believed Jesus. Because Jesus came proclaiming not a single stone is going to be left standing here. And they all went, well, that violates every prophecy in the Bible about Jerusalem. And Jesus going, but look closely. There's two Jerusalems. This is the footstool. There's another throne. It's the one in the clouds in the mountains of Bashan. And that's why Paul in Galatians says the current Jerusalem, that's compared to the slave woman that had the kid with Abraham. Mm. But the Jerusalem that is to come, the one in the clouds, uh, that's the Sarah one, the woman of promise one. And the question is, where is that, where is that city that's in the clouds? Because mm. it's a real place. And you, once you know that, you go, wait, there's a lot of people in the Bible talking about finding it. Hebrews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were looking for a city not made with human hands. Uh, one of the prophets says... Uh, uh, a glorious throne on high was the place of our uh, sanctuary from the beginning. You know, when he sat on his throne and looked down over the flood. You go, wait, where, there's a place? Well, according to the Bible, there is, yeah. Well, I mean, if you take it as such. I mean, according to Scripture, it's where Jesus told all of the Christians who believed him that when you see the Romans surround the city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., Flee to the mountain of hmm. God. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Put that in your craw. And smoke it. Okay. <laughs> well, you can just <laughs> no leave smoking. it in the craw. Yeah, no I know. That's what I was going to say. Um, also, uh, somebody said, hey, we forgot to say uh, happy birthday to Thomas Rents, who turned 18. If it didn't make it in there, then that's... On them. Well, we got to get it. Yeah. Make Happy sure birthday, Thomas. Yeah. Get us your picture. Yeah. Put it up it there. We'll put it up next week. But yeah, send it, send it in. Email it to uh, 
Us. <laughs> Whatever that is. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Wow. Is it Linda or uh, mystery? 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 To any one of us. Email it to us, call it yeah, in, but, but we get it. That's how we get it in there. M-I-S-T-R-Y. W at hisplacechurch.com. Yes. If you just send it to the general yeah. mail at his place, if you send it to Noah R at hisplacechurch.com. Then within three or four weeks, it'll make its way right <laughs> out there. I know. Okay. Okay. I think that's about all we got. That's a, yeah, that's a lot of food for thought. So, uh, where but are we it going? all comes back to is I'm telling you, I'm, I've been just, I stopped trying to understand the Bible a few years ago and decided to put all my efforts into knowing right. it. And I was in shock with how much I didn't know. How much did you unlearn? Oh, it just keeps, things just keep falling. Have you, it's have like, you... I always thought that, but look at this story and look at that story. But I was, because I knew theology so well, I thought, well, I know my Bible. Right. I taught on Romans. Right. And then uh, this epiphany of the become like a child is like, I should just know the stories. I should just know them. And I started, and it was like, who's the fat guy getting stabbed in the belly <laughs> and <laughs> right. left on the toilet? This is not in my who's, Bible. What's this, who's this Abigail, and she's married to this guy that's drunk, and God does what to him? Yeah. It's just incredible. And it's like, there's like 200 and some stories. And I have never been so in love with the Bible as I am right now, because I have kind of a good grasp of most of the stories. And you want to keep rereading them because they give insight for themselves. It's like, well, now I got to go back and read again because now I understand things I didn't understand right. before about the stories. It's all about knowing his word. And so you're saying that the understanding sort of is a natural That's on God. side effect. Yeah, it's not God something that rewrites, you do. Yep. And but, what's nice is it's not so much he's going, yeah, and I'll have you be really smart about the Bible. It's, and I will give you what you need to live your life in perfect faith. Mm -hmm. And so you might think that, you're, well, I'm learning this story about this guy and that. But when you're calling on me, you're going to be surprised that those are the things I use to speak into your heart. Because right. you've developed relationships with these people that were real people. Yeah. Well, and like Jesus says, I mean, you want to sum it all up. It's love God and love your neighbor. So I have a feeling as you just keep receiving these things, those themes are going to just keep pulling out and help you with every single... And like you said, I love what you said last week, where it's not about trying to get better. It's about just putting more of God in your heart, right. and it just pushes everything out. I've been changing my prayers. Uh, I pray even this morning, Lord, just put more in me. That push the stuff Overflow. out. Overflow, yeah, yeah. Push the stuff out. Yeah, well, that's a fun way to think of the cleansing that's done. We think of it as this, like, really material. No, it's just, you just pour it in long enough, and it just cleans it from the inside out. Well, where are we going next week? Oh, I don't know. How depressing. Everybody <laughs> bring that up. Got to start all oh, over. Oh, it's going to be great. It's no, the treadmill. I, think, I think this is wonderful because I hear so many natural places we can go. We'll talk. Okay. We'll, we'll just meet on Tuesday. Okay. And let's have a big chat Sounds about it. Sounds good. Cool. Okay, well, then anything else you want to say before we let them go? Love y'all. Oh, he loves you. Especially those of you who stayed. I love you too. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you next Sunday.